turn on over to the book of 2 Peter, which we started a few weeks ago, and we are going to be diving into just two verses today, kind of talking about uh, this fight for Christian stability, right, in the midst of an unstable world, in the midst of uh, false teachers, lies, deception, deceit. Uh, we are talking about how is it that we can remain firm and steadfast in the Lord. So let's stand together. We're going to read God's word. And uh, I am just going to read verses 3. Uh, let's see. Maybe down to 9 just for some context. So let's hear God's word together. Praise be to God, the Father of our... Oh, this is First Peter. Sorry. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out. All right. Second Peter. All right. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind, and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God's holy word. Amen. 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 You guys can take a seat. Supplements are a billion-dollar industry, right? I got a picture here of a bunch of different supplements at some random drugstore, but we see them all over the place, right? There's a supplement for pretty much anything and every issue, whether it's vitamin C or vitamin D or fish oil or St. John's wort or a million other things, we take supplements for a variety of reasons. And usually we take them because our body is low on something or missing something, right? And so we are deficient in vitamin D, and so we need a vitamin D supplement to get our body working the way it's supposed to. Well, a funny story about supplements is when I was a high school senior, I believe, I was dating a girl, and uh, I was over at this girl's house, and for some reason, uh, her mother thought I was deficient in something. And so what did she hand me one day? Well, I, I was a bit skinnier then. She handed me a bottle of weight gainer. I don't know what she was thinking. Maybe she thought I was too skinny. I needed to bulk up a little bit. But she handed me a bottle of weight gainer, and I went home and was trying to figure out what this means and what she's trying to tell me. I don't think I made it very far in that bottle of weight gainer, but apparently she thought I needed to bulk up. She thought I needed a supplement, right? 
Well, today in our passage, Peter is calling us to bulk up. He's calling us to supplement or to add certain qualities to our faith in the Lord. And today in verses 5 and 7, we're going to see that because God in his power has given us all these very great and precious promises, we are to make every effort to supplement our faith with these precious qualities. And so with this in mind, let's look at first how we supplement our faith. That's our first point. How do we supplement our faith? In the last two weeks, Pastor Santo has been teeing us up really well with the overall argument of the book of 2 Peter, in particular, the first chapter. When it comes to verses 5, Peter is teaching us that though we've been given all that we need for life and godliness, there's still much work to do. And that's not a contradiction, right? God says, I have given you everything you need for life and godliness. But also now, it's time to get to work. We just read this. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. Now notice here, guys, that it says your faith and not the faith. Now there's a really important distinction here to be made. One commentator points out that if Peter was talking about the faith, he would be saying something very odd here. He would be teaching that we need to add new doctrines to the faith, which is the false teacher's mistake. So clearly, Paul, or sorry, Peter is not saying to us, you need to add new doctrines to the faith. Build upon that which was already there. That's not what Peter is saying. For that would be heresy. That would be wrong. That's right. So we don't have to add these improved doctrines. It's kind of like when you create something that you think is perfect and people start nitpicking at it, right? Saying, oh, maybe you could add a little bit of this or add a little bit of that. And you just want to say, no, leave it the way it is. It's perfect the way it is, right? Whether it's a, a song or a painting or something else that you've created. God's word doesn't need our help. God's word doesn't need our help and it doesn't need the help of some new guru or some new teacher, right? Whether it's some heresy from ancient years or new one. He doesn't need our help. It's perfect the way it is. And so the faith here that Peter is referring to is our personal, individual faith in Christ's work on our behalf. So it's that faith that he mentions in verse 1. Look back there. Simon Peter, a servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the kind of faith that he's talking about. That personal faith that you have in Jesus Christ. And as Christians on this faith journey, we can't just stay in the same place. We can't remain babes in the faith. We have to grow up. Right? Elsewhere in scripture, it talks about that. There is a, a point and a time for milk. But there's also a point in time where you move on from that milk to the meat. You have to grow in your relationship with the Lord. And as we've already pointed out, God has provided everything we need to grow. 
right? So he does command us to grow, but he gives us the power. He gives us the resources that we need in order to grow up in the Lord. And this is why God reminds us of these supplements here, these seven qualities among others that we are to supplement. One more thing before we actually look at these qualities is look at what he commands us to do. How much gusto Peter gives this command. He says, make every effort. Think about that for a minute. Make every effort. Now, I don't know about you, but there were times when I was growing up that I didn't feel so smart in school. Maybe you can relate to that. Sometimes I thought that if I could just get around the smart people in class, then somehow maybe it would rub off on me. Maybe somehow if I could just put my hand out and touch them, somehow some of their smarts would come to me, like put my hand on their forehead, right? Somehow kind of like osmosis that it would just rub off or, or somehow transfer to me in the atmosphere. And I know it seems ridiculous, but probably most of us have thought that one time or another. But what's the problem with that? The problem is that we're trying to take a shortcut. We're not willing to put in the hard work of learning how to be smarter. We want to understand the math problem without doing the actual work or without staying after class with the teacher or with a tutor to say, I need some help with this. We're trying to take a shortcut. And I think that's a lot how we approach Christian growth a lot of times. We want the microwave option, right? Press that 30 seconds and boom, it's all ready, right? Or, or the, uh, what's the convection oven, right? That cooks it really, really quick. That's how we want to approach spiritual growth. But that's not how the Bible talks about growing in godliness. When the Bible talks about it, it takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of work. And this is what Peter is trying to drill into these Christians' heads and to ours as well. Remember last week what Pastor Santos said. When grace is at work in us, we get to work. Grace works out. Right? One of the evidences that you are born again, one of the evidences that you have the Holy Spirit is that you work out your salvation. Right? That you aren't perfect, but you are more and more so looking like Jesus each and every day, of course, with his help. So it's not passive, it's active. It's not sitting back, it's pursuing. It's not being disengaged, but it's engaging with all the grace that God gives us. And Peter reminds us here that the Christian race is an endurance race. It takes diligence. It takes sticking to it. And boy, do we need to hear that message today. Think about it. We give effort, a lot of effort, to all different types of things in our life. Maybe one's coming to mind right now. Maybe it's your schoolwork. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your hobbies or extracurriculars. But what kind of effort are you putting into growing in godliness? Not to say you can't use those good things to grow in godliness, but you see what I'm trying to say here. I'm sure it's convicting for all of us, right? Do I put every effort into growing in godliness? I know a lot of times I don't, right? And yet that is what the call 
is here. We need to be reminded that as good as these things are, how much more important is it to, uh, for us to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus? And that's why this morning, this text is an encouragement for you and to me to ask, God, where are we spending our time, our energy, our money, our resources? Is it growing in godliness? Is it growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord? And then we can start with repentance. We can start with preaching the gospel to ourselves. But then grace must get to work in our lives. So what does this look like then? Well, Peter lays out some very practical things here that we should focus on in adding to our faith. So let's look at these actual supplements that we are supposed to add to our faith. And as we begin to look at these supplements, we need to remember that the whole point of adding these things to our spiritual diet is what? That you and I would be mature. You and I would be mature, not lacking anything, as that passage in James we read earlier says. That we would be stable, steadfast. Remember, Pastor Santo brought this up earlier. That's one of Peter's main concerns for the people of God in this epistle. That they would be stable, steadfast, anchored into the Lord. Especially as they live in a hostile culture to Christianity. And so we need to feed on the truth and not lies. And so as we look at these qualities for a few moments together, we're going to ask the question, why these ones are important? Why does Peter highlight these qualities over other qualities? And how do they contrast to what the false teachers were doing and were saying and were advocating? Right? These aren't random qualities. They have a point and purpose. To contrast these false teachers. Let's look at a few of them together. First one, virtue or moral excellence. Peter has already used this word back in verse 3, you can see. When we were talking about the character of God. God is excellent. Or God is perfectly virtuous. And we are made in his image. Part of that reason for being made in his image so that we would reflect him. Right? So if God is morally excellent, we want to be morally excellent. It's the first thing that Peter highlights for us to add to our faith. And we need to remember that morality or uprightness is not a bad thing in the Christian life. Sometimes we can get it confused and we can think that morality is a bad thing when it's actually good and admirable. But you may say, well, Pastor Pete, doesn't Jesus talk a lot against morality in the Bible or moralism? And I would say, yes, but there's a difference there. What do I mean? If you are seeking to earn God's favor or acceptance through your morality, then that's wrong. And that's called moralism. Okay? But if after having been saved and trusting in Jesus alone for your salvation, you seek to live a moral life... That's a good thing. You see the difference there? Right? If I'm using my, my morality, my uprightness, my obeying God to try to earn something before God, that's not good. And you're, you're never going to earn it. Right? It's, it's never going to be good enough to earn something before God. But if after having been changed by Jesus and what he did for us 
on the cross and through his perfect life, he begins to change me to be a more moral person, upright person, that is a very good thing. And that's exactly what Peter is talking about here. Add this moral excellence to your faith. See, really, when Jesus changes our lives, he begins to make us want to love God and to love others, the two greatest commandments. And, and you see that flesh it out in the Christian life. That has so much to do with more, being moral and upright people. That we would love God with our, our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love others as ourselves. And you see this is the total opposite of what the false teachers were trying to do. Chapter 2 gives us a vivid description that they were thirsty for sin. They have an insatiable appetite for what is not upright, what is ungodly. You see the contrast there? Another thing he says to add to our faith is knowledge. In verse 3, Peter says that we have been given all that we need for life and godliness. But what does he say in the very next part? Through the knowledge of him who called us. Knowledge is key, guys. Knowledge is the, the conduit or the channel by which the power flows to live a pleasing life to God. That's why knowledge is so important for you and I to add to our faith. He's, God said here that it came through the knowledge of him. Christianity is not a headless religion, nor is it a heartless religion, but that's for another sermon, okay? It's not a headless religion. God wants you and I to use our brains, right? God wants us to use our brains, Commentators point out that this word for knowledge has a very practical side to it. Something more like wisdom, right? What, what is wisdom? Wisdom is truth applied, right? So taking God's truth into practical situations. God, what do you want for me to pursue for a career? What, what, should, I, should I get married or should I stay single? Uh, what school should I send my kids to? How should I raise my kids? Very practical things require God's wisdom, right? The Bible doesn't give us those answers all the time and saying, go to this school, take this job. But it does give us principles that apply to that situation. That's what wisdom is. It gets very practical in the nitty gritty of life. So God wants us to continue to gain knowledge that helps us to live out a godly life. But see here, the debate that Peter was dealing with was more of the question of where does this knowledge come from? Follow me here for a minute. The false teachers sought it beyond God's word. They started there, but then they moved past that. They added to God's word or subtracted from God's word. What does 2 Peter say? Well, it says they followed cleverly devised myths. It says that they followed their own interpretations and that they were trying to get other Christians to follow those myths, to follow those additions or subtractions from God's word. Peter says to them, as he does to us today, that we are to get our knowledge from the right source. From the prophetic word of God, the Bible. 
He has given us the Bible. And, and the crazy thing, we'll look at this passage later, is that it's even better than as if we were there. Right? When, when uh, later on, I think it's in chapter 1, when he talks about the, the transfiguration. And we always talk, I, I know you guys think about this probably because I do, I do too. That if I was there, man, my faith would be rock solid if I got to experience that. But what, is, what does Peter say? You have been given something more sure. The prophetic word of God. If we don't have that right knowledge from the right source, we will go back to these myths. We will believe these false teachings. We will uh, suffer from their destructive effects. So let me ask you this morning, what's your source? What other sources are you relying on besides the Bible? Maybe it's a, a both and thing. You say, I believe the Bible, but I'm going to listen to these other teachers as well. When God says no, come back to the word of God, the pure word of God. You don't need anything else. What myths are you buying into? If you and I want to remain stable and to grow strong and mature, we must focus on God's word. Add knowledge. Knowledge comes from the word of God. Amen. 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 Third one, steadfastness. Steadfastness. Of course, this was at the forefront of the apostle's thinking and his concern for the original audience of this letter. He was deeply concerned that they would remain steadfast in the midst of all of these false teachers infiltrating the church. This word means to stay the course even when it's tough going. Even when the world is against you, when there are obstacles left and right, when you feel like giving up, to stay the course and to stay steady. We read that passage uh, from James 1, 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. James is basically saying the same thing, that the supplement that you and I are to add to our faith is the supplement of steadfastness. When we have that, when we are tested, and when we are tried, when those hard things come in our life, they are there for a purpose. They are there by God's hand, not by random chance. And as they are there, as we walk through them with our eyes fixed on Jesus, he strengthens us. He transforms us. He makes us more steadfast. He makes us more stable, more mature, more balanced. You know, earlier we were talking about the difference between moralism and morality. And though moralism is a problem sometimes in our church, I think the other bigger problem in our day is the problem of license. What is that? It's the idea of letting loose. It's the idea of I can do whatever I want because in the end God is going to forgive me. God doesn't really care all that much about holiness, right? He saved me. His blood saved me. Amen, amen. But I'm going to go out. I'm going to do what I want to do and live the way that I want to live. And again, these false teachers were doing exactly that. They were trying to lure other Christians in to their licentious living. They were trying to lure them in 
to their sexuality and their sexual immorality, it says. Later on, we'll study. They were not steadfast in godliness, but ungodliness. What are you and I steadfast in? If someone will follow us around for 24 hours and look at our life, not just the face that we put off when we're at church, but when we're at home with our family or, or just by ourselves, what are we steadfast in? Is it godliness? I hope more and more so it is. One more virtue I want to look at here before we close is the, the, the last two that you see in this list which speak to love. Now up until now, the qualities that we've looked at mainly focus on a personal inward part of who we are. But now Peter turns his attention outward, right? So yes, there's certain things that we need to improve upon in ourselves. We need to work in us. But there's also an outward focus to the Christian life. Again, love God, right? And then love your neighbor, okay? But now Peter turns our attention to others, loving the people of God and loving our neighbors, whoever they may be. Stability cannot come with a sole focus of improving ourselves only. It must also come from a clear outward focus as well. And we see that in these last two qualities. Commentators point out that Peter uses these two well-known words for love in the New Testament. The first is Philadelphia, right? We have the city right up the street from us, the city of brotherly love, okay? That's what that term means. It is a brotherly, sisterly love inside the church for one another. The second is agape love, that Christ-like sacrificial love to others regardless of who they are, whether they're a Christian or not. And you can see here that as we add this Philadelphia love and this agape love to us, it is an outward focus of our faith. And as we add that more and more so, it transforms the way that we think about other people. And it makes not only us more stable, it makes the people of God more stable together as they, they, they uh, participate in this love together and show it to a watching world. One pastor, when he was speaking about this love, he said, nothing could be further from the false teacher's attitude of self-centeredness and exploitation. When you look at agape love and Philadelphia love, when you look at that type of love, the false teachers that Peter was calling out were showing the exact opposite. They were about me and mine. They were about exploiting this person so that I can get more. Whether it's money or fame or recognition, whatever it may be, it was exploitation. I'm only using you. That's what these false teachers were doing. But Peter says, no, we are to be characterized by our love. What does Jesus say? That the world will know you by your love for one another, right? So let you and me please be quick to add to our lives a love for those inside the church and outside the church as well. Right? And just in case you uh, want to kind of exclude someone from that category, who does Jesus say our neighbor is? Neighbor is everyone, right? I can't exclude anybody from this commandment for me to love them just because they're hard to love. 
or because I don't like them, or I'd rather not love them today, right? We're all in that place, and yet the call is there, steadfastness in love. So there we have it. We have virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. Seven supplements to the Christian life. J.I. Packer once said this. He says, it is in fact a law of the spiritual life that the further you go, the more you are aware of the distance still to be covered. Your growing desire for God makes you increasingly conscious, not so much of where you are in your relationship with him, as of where as yet you are not. Can anybody relate to that? Yeah. I know, I know I'm not where I'm supposed to be, right? But do you ever feel like that, especially after a sermon like this? You see these qualities, right? All the time. And this is not just one list. This is not the only list in the New Testament, for example. Again and again and again, we have these lists to add these things. Put off this and put on that, for example. But I know sometimes I feel dejected. I feel discouraged. I feel like, man, I'm, I'm not as far as I thought I was. But this is why it's so important, so crucial for us to understand these commands in a Christ-centered, gospel-centered way. And for the last few moments, I just want to bring us back to the gospel as we think about adding these qualities to our faith. Think about it this way. Jesus is the perfectly virtuous man. Jesus is filled with the full knowledge of God. Jesus was and always has been, always will be full of self-control. Jesus always stayed the course. One of my favorite passages, Hebrews 12, he ran his race. He ran it perfectly. He perfectly threw, threw aside all the entanglements of sin. He never got off course. And he finished his race and he sat down at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. He's done with that part of his race. He is perfect in godliness. He always shows brotherly love and agape love. He has no need to supplement his faith. But we do. And that's why we need him. We have a need to supplement our faith. There are things that are missing. There are things that are lacking. There are things that are deficient that we need to add to to be more stable and steadfast and strong. But guys, be encouraged this morning that he has all the power we need to do this. He has given us his very great and precious promises in Christ. He has made a way for us to escape the corruption of the world and the corruption of our sinful flesh. He has set us free from the bondage of sin. We are no longer enslaved to these un ungodly qualities that we've looked at today in contrast to the godly qualities. He gives us the power to say yes to righteousness and no to unrighteousness. Yes, you are not where you want to be maybe. But you're not where you were if you're following Jesus. And that should be something that we take encouragement through. 
And that today or tomorrow, when we, we, when we wake up and we start a new work week, we know whatever happened that week before, whatever failures we had that week before, we can get up trusting the promises of God and moving forward in faith. Like the song that we sang, keep looking up. Our eyes must be fixed on him. That's the only way, going back to Hebrews 12, that we run the race before us. So add, as you think about adding these qualities to your faith, remember it is Jesus who is quarterbacking your Christian growth. He is the one that is in control. He's got the play. He's going to carry it out. It may not always be the way that you want it to be carried out or the circumstances that you want, but he is doing it for sure. And what he has started, he will complete. And we can take encouragement with that. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that your word, God, your word is perfect. We don't need to add to it. We don't need to subtract from it. It is the sure and perfect prophetic word of God. And so we pray, God, that even as we leave this place, that you would fix our attention more and more on your word. God, that we would be a people that love to read it, love to study it, love to memorize it, love to be empowered by your truth. God, would you help us to add these virtues of knowledge and self-control and godliness and steadfastness. Help us not to be discouraged by how much more we need to grow or what we're not growing in. Help us to keep our eyes on you, to remember the gospel, and to keep on keeping on for another day in the strength that you give us. We love you, and we thank you and pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.